Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it, wherever you are. And Shalom, and welcome to Malka Fleischer. Shalom. Hello. It is, we're in the midst of a uh, tough time here in Israel. It's a time of terrorism. We've faced now three terror attacks, one in Beersheba, one in Chadera, one in Bnei Brak. Eleven Israelis have been killed, murdered. And Malka, I wanted to point out that the people that there have been murdered... There were arrests also. There, were arrests, there was an arrest yesterday in uh, Shuk Machne Yehuda. That would have been a horrific disaster. You mean a terror attack was stopped? Yes, a terror attack was stopped before. That's, yeah, right. that's right. Uh, and in other places as well. Kiryat Gat, I think I heard of an arrest yesterday. Correct, correct. And basically what was predicted, which is that this is going to be a big Ramadan year of trouble. Yeah. Uh, part of it is because in some circles, mm-hmm. there's like some kind of quote unquote prophecy that Israel will end in 2022. Oh. Yeah. In some Islamic uh, circles, are this is the year. And there was also Ahmed, not Ahmed, what was his name? Sheikh Yassin. Sheikh Yassin. Ah, uh, Ahmed Yassin, I think was his name. He also somehow predicted that Israel, supposedly, that Israel is going to be destroyed in 2022. Oh. And so in some of those circles, there's a lot oh, of... they're trying to... Get it going. Some people work for Mashiach. So in their mind, they're in these extremist... Extremist... It's such a tricky word. I try to be nice. I really try to be nice. And I really, really... What is extremist not a good <clears throat> word? I don't know what the right word is these extremist, days. Extremist, I think, is a very polite word you know what for word? what you you're know, saying. No, but sometimes I think to myself, it's not true that it's extremist. It's just not exactly an accurate term because... Oh, it's mainstream. It's more mainstream than the word extremist will, will lend meaning to. It's Well, I did see a poll that was conducted yesterday amongst Palestinian Authority Arabs. I, I posted it on JNS.org. JNS, who I work for. And they, the poll said that they, everyone was like, how do you end the Israeli occupation? That's the poll, which is skewed, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's the, that was a question. And 68% of them said through... But the question is... and you That's can ask, mainstream, meaning to say right. that is a extremely mainstream. That 68%... Wait, wait, let me clarify, though. If you asked six, those 68%, when did the occupation begin? Almost to, to one, they will say, to the last one, they'll say to you, 1948. I mean, you say they mean right. when they, when they're, they they're when, not into no two states for two peoples. Right. That's they it, think it, that we are on their land wherever it is that we are in the land of Israel. And it, it is best tactical when they try to talk when any of their leaders talk about two state solution. That's only because it's just a tactical thing. They believe and they'll they'll say it and you could see it on their broadcasts. That's my point. That's why I say the word extremist isn't always right. I have a word which I think is is the fairest word, which is jihadist. Now, wh- why should we even be discussing words when um, when there's like physical attacks out there? We just got to crush the bad guys type of thing. Why are we discussing words? Words are very important because defining who you're trying to fight against is very important. For example, if these are lone wolf attacks. <clears throat> then I don't think anyone thinks that they're lone wolf attacks. I hear, it, I hear attacks. it on the news all the time. They're I trying had, to attribute them to ISIS. I, I'm telling you, I hear it all the time. I heard it this morning. A former head of the Shabak is talking about how hard it is to stop lone wolf attacks. You don't mean lone wolf attacks. You mean there's a society. And I've seen this also on, on, on Twitter, people writing, look, there's a society that backs them. There's monies that right, backs them. Right, I think them. that what they mean is like not coordinated with a top-down hierarchy of leadership. Like you don't get hired by the super ultra bad guy and then you go through middle management bad guys until you get to... 
<clears throat> like you, bad guy, and then you go and do it. You it's have like, just proved my point. You have just proved my point. What? If it doesn't work exactly in that corporate ladder, it works on a different type of corporate ladder where there's a society that supports it right. generally, where there's a TV that supports it generally, where there is a Palestinian authority that will pay your family money after you've committed this, these attacks. Yeah, it's not a direct order. Okay, so it doesn't work that way. It works a little bit differently. It's not a direct order. Okay, there are people who, who pick up the gauntlet by themselves. But it doesn't mean they're lone wolf. That's exactly what I mean about my words. If you say it's lone wolf, it means to say this guy right, got, This guy was a freak. This guy freaked out and he became radicalized and said, no, come on, get off of it. There's a whole societal thing that's, being, that's supporting these, this ideology and these acts. And that's exactly my point. So if you call it lone wolf, and I, I came up with a word which I like a lot, which I think is the truest word. The only problem is, is that the word itself is censured, censored, and censored by like Twitter and stuff like that, which is jihad. What do you mean it's censored by jihad? If I if I write the word jihad in my tweets, yeah. the tweet gets suppressed. It doesn't mean it doesn't come out. It comes out, but it gets. You got to use like an asterisk where the I is. Ah, you got. There's ways to beat the. You're such an algorithm surfer. Because you're like the silver surfer of algorithm, Malka. In any case, in any case, gosh, Israel is in this moment where our many years of allowing guns. Right. This is like a different. So, yeah, what is different about this uh, wave of terrorism a little bit? It's not the lone wolf theory. It's that whereas in Beersheba, of course, we saw horrible stabbing attacks. Now it's guns, which is like a whole other level. It is a whole other level, but that level has been achieved. Very simply, they have seen our reactions. They saw our reactions to the conflict a year ago, the protector of the walls conflict. They saw that Israel's reactions were weak and tepid, really tepid. And that really in the last big violence in the cities, there was almost no arrests made. And they see that guns aren't being collected. And now they're going to use those guns out there. And so now we have Ramadan coming. Now we have Ramadan, and so there's a big discussion whether Ramadan should be suppressed, as in don't give him a right to go to the temple. Now, for a person like me, I'm always thinking that that this is our holy place and that great anti-Semitism comes from the Temple Mount. In general, there's like a whole problem with the way we view the Temple Mount. But certainly during the Ramadan where they, and I've seen it myself since I we used to live in the Mount of Olives, and here are some of the sermons coming out from the Temple Mount, and it was just crazy anti-Semitism was being broadcast directly from the, our holiest place. And that's what happens. That's what the vacuum is. When you don't hold on to your holiest place, when you don't assert your identity, when you don't understand that somebody else's God is being served up there, and I have to say the, the God that is against the God of Israel. That's what I mean by another God. It might be the same monotheism, but their God is an anti-Israel God. And therefore, it cannot be the same God as our God who's pro-Israel. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like a different thing. Yes, it's true. It's formulaically it's monotheism yeah it's true but it's a death cult in part and but most importantly is that it's an it's anti our god so it can't be exactly serving the same god in any case allowing the 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 jihad to continue to see that israel will appease them only works in the direction of their strength and so we're living in that time how will we turn it all around i really don't know i really don't know i i i i know what part I, as an individual person, have to do about it. And that is, I know that what I've come to the conclusion of is that I personally will make the Israel more biblically minded. I will help Israel reach a more biblical consciousness. And if I do that, and, I'm, I, and the only reason I'm talking about me is because I'm just trying to say all of us should be thinking about 
what we can do to be to move the project forward. And I've figured out in my life that if I can help Israel and the Jewish people in Israel be more biblically minded, they will be stronger about these places, will know how to react to Philistines, and jihadists, and Amalek. They'll have well, a the frame of reference. The first step is just to know who you are, even. if you like, All the rest is like an outcropping of that. Right. If you don't know who you are, then how do you do anything? And our children, I could see that, and our children are broader. The, the children the, of Israel. No, the children of religious and Zionistically minded people. I could see that, that everything makes sense to them. They understand the enemies of Israel in a historic, classical context. They understand. Wait, their understanding is simple. You, I don't mean. I thought but like I, in a clean. I don't know about that. I, I would say it's holistic. They see the Torah, the, the the Tanakh. It talks about enemies of Israel and how to deal with them. They see it here again today. They see these holy places like Hebron or Shechem or Bethel. They know it's their their historical classical import. If you don't have a sense of the Bible then the word Beitel means nothing. And they, they also understand that we have to also be loving to those who accept Israel and the God of Israel and downright downright not loving, if I could t- temper my words here, to those who come on the attack against us. And, and, and they have a natural... I have a joke that I always, whenever I talk with Christian folks, I always say, you have to let hate into your heart. Because they always say, you talk about love into your heart. You've got to also hate your enemies. You've got to hate evil. And That's uh, what hate is for. Where's that? What movie was that? I think it might have been um, Apocalypse Now, where he I talks about where he talks about. I don't remember the line exactly, but the end of the line is extreme prejudice. Like you have to, you know, go in there and take care of business with extreme prejudice. And it's yeah, be prejudiced. For example, if they have guns in their towns, of which they have hundreds of thousands of guns that have been allowed to move in. That's the biggest. That's my biggest faulting. Of well, where are these guns? What do you mean allowed to move in? Where are they from? They're from a lot of places. They are from theft, but they're also from smuggling. And I wouldn't doubt that there's some Israelis that are involved in selling some guns. But the security services know that there are guns. That's my one faulting. If I can fault the secular Israeli state for one thing, I'd be like, forget every, forget the Bible, forget everything else. You have allowed weapons into the hands of Hamas, into the hands of Hezbollah, into the hands of average Israelis in Arab Israeli cities and in, Palest- in, in Judea and Samaria, Palestinian places, you've allowed these weapons to flow in. You saw even without regard to terror against Israel, you saw last year there was like a huge issue in the Arab communities in Israel because there was a murder a day. Mm-hmm. There was a murder a day and, and they were like shooting murders. So the guns are out there. It's not one person murdering a, a person a day. It's every person with their own gun there's a lot of guns let me make an observation about guns and, and knives and that's inside israel absolutely Malka, people say that knives are cold weapons and guns are hot weapons because one uses fire and the other one is has no fire element right, to okay it. but the truth of the matter is a knife is a very hot weapon because to stab a person yeah you really need to you put need your own heat. personal yeah. muscle into there gun is a cold weapon from a distance you fire and you just, and we saw for example there was a there's been a lot of horrific videos of gang-style murders in, the, in this wave of terror. You saw this guy driving a nice car, and from about 10 feet, the terrorist just shoots one bullet. And then I saw a video, which I certainly didn't share, but of the, the guy sitting in his, the guy sitting in his car slumped just over. A, just a guy who was driving yeah. to get a 
bag of chips or something. Like he was just the terrorist doing even nothing. walks up to him and checks, and he doesn't even fire another bullet because he saw that the guy was finished with one bullet. And that's the thing. That's the the Jew. This is a Jew. This is an Israeli. This is a brother. <sighs> the other thing I have to say is like this. The sick thing they have this they have another smart phrase somewhere which is like once the number gets high it just becomes a number. Mm. If it's a low number and one guy gets killed in a supermarket everybody's talking about the guy's name. But once it starts to be a killing spree you start right, to you forget got like the 11 names. People. Yeah, you just start to And, say 11 and I was at a, yesterday at a nice event and they have music and stuff like that and I just had to leave because I'm just like Jews are still being buried today. And that's the problem with mass murders. It actually becomes part of the daily grind. And it's a sickness. It's a sickness. It's like our strength and our weakness. If we didn't do that, I was thinking as I was driving my car and like thinking with like such sorrow and horror about what's going on. I was like, if I couldn't detach myself from what's going on, I couldn't function because I want to go to I could easily go to that place. Right. Where you're just like, this is horrible and everything's horrible. And I see it on the kids also. Right. Like the kids, we don't hide the stuff from them. We don't show them horrible videos or anything like right. that. But in terms of the news, like we tell them what the news is. And uh, and they know. And I see also for them, if they couldn't disassociate, it would just be too frightening and too personal. Right. And Am Yisrael, like we're one family. So it would just be, it would just be, but at the same time, if you disassociate too much, then you become cold and, and heartless toward like, the reality of your nation and your reality and you just become like dispassionate and you can't become dispassionate. Right. I think more even cold. Yeah, you can't do that. So it's so it's a trick. There's another aspect to it, which is if we thought that we were in a war to win, we'd be we'd yeah, be more but the more problem is that everybody understands yeah. that it's our own country's weakness. And our own mistakes and our own We're along for the ride. Like our country is is gonna do what it's gonna do. For example, this morning I woke up to the news. I put a, t- a tweet on Twitter last night that did like relatively well, mm-hmm. which was like, what should we do in response to these terror attacks? I want to see what people would write. Now, of course, people can't write what they really th- in some circumstances, but a lot of people came up with all kinds of stuff about what they thought they should do, including arrests, including deportations and all kinds of stuff that they thought would be a good response to what's going on. So I put that my idea is that we should, and this was something you and I had been talking about, Ishai, um, in the house, and you might be writing about later on, so be on the lookout for an article, that they should, the first thing they should do is, like you said at the beginning of the show, shut down the Temple Mount for Ramadan. For Muslim prayers. On the for temple. Muslim That's prayer, right. not for Jewish prayer. Jewish That's right. prayer should be open. Right. But Muslim prayer, you want privileges for Ramadan, You your society lost privileges because your society is not being safe for our society and then you guys will deal within yourselves about taking care of the, the, the bad element which is causing you this restriction the public right? way so, of saying but then, that, the public way of saying that is it's a danger to our security it's a danger so to then security. i woke yeah. up this morning and i saw that our defense minister benny gantz has come out with the following we are not going to be doing any restrictions for ramadan he'd come out earlier yesterday saying well, we're totally going to like lay into you guys if Mahmoud Abbas, the, the president of the Palestinian Authority for the last 18 years, doesn't condemn. We need the words. We need to hear you say it, that you are against violence against Jews, which is so crazy. What does it matter if he says it? The, the, the checks are still coming out. I don't understand. Like, what a lame like, abused 
person response that is. I need to hear, I need to hear the words, I'm sorry. Like I need to hear the words that I condemn this even as I continue to support this. It is so, the psychology there is so messed up. And the prime minister, and the prime but minister. But the point is that even that they couldn't extract from him. He didn't do it. And then still they're like, well, okay, then whatever. It's just Israel, when we go out into the world, we see that Israel has a reputation. And in different places, it has different reputation. Some people hate Israel as like a horrible, horrific, apartheid, blood-sucking monster state, okay? And then other people see Israel as this like incredible cyber, military, might, precision state with startup, awesome, Jew muscleness. And then it's like when stuff like this happens, I get so embarrassed Mm -hmm. because I'm just like, we're not living up to the name that we had built for ourselves. That's, that's, That's right. And exactly right. It's really shameful. I, I really like how you said that. That's that's just really true. We had this name. That name had a deterrence in it. The name that you built up had a deterrence, which is Israel is I remember I watched some show on YouTube about Israel from the seventies and it starts off with Israel is ruthless when it comes to and I was like, Ruthless? What a great word. Oh my gosh, I hope they keep thinking we're ruthless. And then I'm just like, We're not ruthless. We're not ruthless. We're ruthful. Yeah, and it's just be ruthless against your enemies, of course, against those who have guns to kill your people. And one of the one of the people that was murdered this week was a father who like who was out with a walk with his baby, and he like cradled the son from the shootings. Got got a bullet. Took a bullet and took died, a bullet, and died. the baby was like there was on the street. And it was fine. The baby was fine. The baby was fine. The baby survived. And the wife is eight months pregnant. It's so horrible. It's horrible. It's so horrible. It's it's and you unthinkable. Should, and you, and should you have these like private citizens. Thank God at least that, that the Prime Minister and Naftali Bennett in a in a fingernails worth of correctness was like all Israelis with guns should be carrying right now. That's right. Okay. Thank you. At least that. But it's like, why is it that like the average citizen right now is having to keep his eyes over his shoulder because Benny Gantz can't even extract a little like pathetic little, you guys really shouldn't be doing this um, stabbing of Jews. I really am against that. My name is Mahmoud Abbas. I've been doing this as my professional job for 18 years. But please stop. Okay, guys, it's really, oh, don't. New, new, new. He's been doing, uh, uh, Mahmoud Abbas is is an arch terrorist. In and any we case, can't like, I just don't like the, the security apparatus, not that the individual citizen is certainly counted upon to help protect the, the people around him. And that's always been part of the Israeli ethos. But I just don't. It feels like the security apparatus is a tiny bit abdicating. Now, it's not all the way. I don't want to lay into them all the way because I know that there's thousands upon thousands of great police officers and border guards and army people and stuff. And they take their work seriously and they want to. And, and if they were given the opportunity, they would cleanse all the terror. They would right. cleanse all the terror. Mm-hmm. And so I can't come down on them. But at the same time, like the people who are telling them what to do are, are reining them in so tight that, that they're not being effective. And it's so it's dangerous in Israel right now. It's dangerous in Israel right now. We have within our society a few million folks who are anti-Israel. <laughs> it's, it's really pretty simple, really. It's really pretty simple. There's a, a, a hardcore jihad of million of folks 
inside our country, and we are uh, not dealing with them properly. And t- for people like me, it's, it's like an I told you so moment. It's it's not really surprising at all. It's actually it's surprising. It's not surprising, though. It's, it's not surprising, but it's sometimes you wonder, like, where do these waves of terror come from? I do the, wonder that. It's very simple. It's very simple. They look at the President of the United States. They're like, he's with us, and the money's flowing again. That's the first thing. For the Trump years, it was very subdued. Very subdued to the Palestinian Authority. Yeah, the money. The, yeah, the money, money was flow off and the and terror. the language right. was not supportive. Now they're like, we're back. So that's one. Then they look at the Israeli government. They're like, it, it, it's it's not going right. to make a harsh response. In order to maintain a coalition, they have to go light on terror. Maintain this coalition. This they're coalition. Have to light on terror. Very well said. And uh, and they're like, okay, here comes Ramadan. Here comes a prophecy. Israelis are obviously weak. They're not going to. They're not going. The government's not going to be hard against us. The American government's with us. This is the time. As in, go, <laughs> go. Right, to, it's right. go time. That's the math. It's a and simple yeah, math. you got the Ramadan. It's exciting. On, on Ramadan plus the Ukraine Interesting thing. prophecy. The Ukraine thing isn't huge, but it played the role of okay. There's a, destabilizing. Right. There's a. There, it's loose out there. There was right. a time where I remember, and I was thinking about it, where there were three rulers in this world. There were three. Strong rulers. It was Putin, Netanyahu, Trump. Mm. And the world was stable because I've now figured out the global world leaders, their most important function in Israeli leaders is to keep a lid on the pot. Mm. That's like the biggest thing that a global leader can do. Keep a lid on the pot. And keep, and therefore allow, when you keep the lid on the pot, then you allow the normal things to keep going. Then no, yeah, normal stuff can, yeah, can no, Normal thrive. happy things. And right. you have, basically, you have to suppress bad things. And, and you had a Putin... Who was strong on the in the east? You had and and it had controls in the in the Muslim world as well, and Israel was being stronger, and especially Trump, of course, which was like the there was an ethos out there, and and the bad guys were they were hibernating, they were hibernating, they were in sleep mode. Now it's all it's all out. Trump is out, and that whole ethos is out. You've got this uber well, progressive Biden. Uh, you got a Biden who's who is a supporter of anti-Israelism, et cetera, et cetera, of Iranism. So they're like, okay, it's jihad. This is a good moment, right? It's a good moment. That's the that's the way it is. That's the math, and it's also it's 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 on the it's on the it's on the surface of things. In any case, Malka, uh, you've got to go today to your job. And God bless you. We want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, we want to say that this week's Torah portion is called Tazria, which is all about. And so we want to bless the Jewish women to not be afraid and to continue to do what they're doing amazingly, which is to, to raise Am Israel and to build Am Israel, amongst many things that the that the Jewish women do. But I just want to say, like, this is a, a week of Tazria. This week is, is a week of fertility, of, of birth of the Jewish people. And uh, we lost a few, and that is inexcusable. Uh, but the fight goes on, and the fight also to educate the Jewish people goes on, to raise the Jewish people goes on. And that's it. I want to bless you a lot, Malka. So thank, thank you so you. much for being Thanks. with me on Same the show. Thank you. You should just be safe on the roads and out there doing what you do. And everyone should be safe. I don't want to hear about any more terror attacks this week or ever. I'm a little nervous to ch- to check the news every day. But Maybe. Hashem. Hashem should be with us, and, and we need a lot of merits. And Hashem less promises merits. to be with us, and so we're going to rely on that. We need more merits and less merits. Uh, ha, ha, that's ha, right ha. okay Maris is, is a the, political party the far left Israeli political party yeah and really what we have to pray for is an awakening of the Jewish people and I also hope if I could talk in a very political sense I hope the Likud and, and folks are like learning a lesson from this and when they come back into government which they will that they'll that, that, that there'll be a real 
nationalist government and not like platitudes and, and small things, but real national. I believe it's actually happening. It's, it, 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 we may have to suck it up for another few years under this government, but I believe that afterwards we're going to have a, some serious nationalism that's going to come back. May we live to see the day. God bless you, folks. More great stuff is on the way. I'll be right back here on the Ishai Fleischer Show. Thank you so much to all of our supporters, but I just want to thank Tabitha, Ben Bresky, Yocheved, Moshe Herman, and Lou for getting the show out to the world. You guys are beautiful. And uh, we'll be back with more great stuff here. Don't touch that podcast. And lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings, a land whose blessings is, are a little bit are a little bit being challenged right now. But don't you worry. Uh, what I wrote yesterday to the jihadists, I said to them, I said to them, kudos on your, your, your successes of, of killing Jews and doing your thing. I respect my enemy, and, and I respect that you were successful. But if you think that we're down and out, you can forget it because Hitler couldn't stop us. You're not going to stop us. We're coming back home. This is the great return. And yeah, it's got some bumpy elements, but we don't count us out yet. Am Yisrael Chai. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned and shalom. Don't worry. The Ishai Fleischer Show will be right back. So stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and we are live, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. The situation out here is definitely complex. There's a lot of narratives going around about what the motivations of the terrorists are, about how Israel should react. What is Israel's role in kind of global affairs? What about its relationship to the United States? And even this Ukraine thing, does it somehow project onto uh, how Israel should be reacting or how it sees itself. My guest this half is my friend and also author of this book that I'm putting on the, you could see it right now on the screen. If you're watching, if you're listening, he's the author of this book, which is called Broken Values. Broken Values, how the Democratic Party platform betrays its followers and America. So he's an expert in America stuff as well. He's the president of the Jerusalem Washington Center, contributing editor at Midah Magazine, but also at Israel's leading newspaper, Israel Hayom and often appears on Israel's Fox News type channel, which is called Channel 14. Get on Israel. Listen, get on. Thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Yishai. You're in Samaria, and you're author of Broken Values. It's not really time for pleasantries so much right now, is it? We're in a terror wave, and that terror wave just struck. I shot from here, from where I'm sitting right now, at Tzomet El-Azhar, the El-Azhar Junction, a Palestinian terrorist came onto the bus with a screwdriver with a screwdriver and just walked onto the bus, started started stabbing uh, somebody, the first person that he saw. He didn't even sit down. He just started stabbing immediately. Uh, some people are saying that we should not be letting on Arabs onto Israeli buses right now. And uh, he was shot dead. The, the victim uh, was seriously injured and is in surgery right now. But this is an example of the atmosphere. As I was, I was in synagogue praying, I was in the middle of the 18 benedictions Shimon Esra prayer. And I had to, and my wife was calling. So I hung up on her because I'm in the middle of a prayer that you're not supposed to answer. But she called right. a second time. I realized that this was something that was going on and she was nervous and scared. And I thought to myself, it could also be reflective of, of uh, something dangerous. And, and right now, because there's Pikuach Nefesh, so I had to stop my prayer and, and I picked it up. And that's a very rare thing that we don't do. But I thought it could be Pikuach Nefesh. And she, she, and she indeed reported that she was close to this uh, situation. She was scared about it. So that, that is the atmosphere here in Israel. We're in this, this wave of terror. 
and it is striking at us. And you told me right before the show that one of the ministers had a, had a very old take and maybe a misconstrued take on what the motivations of the terrorists are. So let's start with that. Right. So I actually i i hadn't i hadn't seen um, i hadn't seen what he said, but I saw a tweet of a, of a friend of mine who 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 sort of responded to something that he had said. He said it's written. He said, "Nachman, people who are hungry don't you know shoot uh, you know shoot a father between the eyes you know looking into you know his sights on an M16." And then wait I, a minute, wait a minute. Who who is the minister and what did he say? So the minister is Nachman Shai. He's the diaspora uh, affairs minister. And he mentioned, among other things, that, um, that you know, when people don't have, you know, food or, or you know, and they don't have any hope, they, they go to, they turn to terror. You know, kind of, kind of re- reminiscent of, of like seven or eight years ago during the Obama administration when the State Department spokesman said something to the extent of, you know, ISIS people need jobs. Right. And if they have jobs, you know, they won't be terrorists. But um, um, but the truth but the truth is that, you know, while poor people may may turn to terror, poor Arabs, but that's that's not necessarily the reason. And there's there's so many reasons why they might be involved in terrorist attacks. But it made me think to, you know, something written in, in Exodus where where Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, um, you know, he, he says, you know, let, let my people go so we can, you know, serve our God in the desert. And then, and then Pharaoh says to him, you know, until now I was, I was giving you, you know, materials to make bricks, but now, but now, but now I'm not going to give you any materials and you're going to have to make bricks on, you're going to have to find the materials to make bricks on your own. And, and once you're occupied with this, you'll, you'll stop, you know, you'll stop dealing with these falsehoods, these ideas about, you know, let's, you know, a God to serve and worshiping, you know, worshiping God in the desert. And, and the kind of the kind of the message is, is that when it's actually when people have time on their hands, it's actually when, you know, there's a, you know, there's an upper class, there's an intelligentsia. It's actually at those times where people have these ideas of, you know, nationalism and and national liberation and, and so forth. So it's really the opposite. That's when, that's when actually there's time to create a to create, I guess, an environment for for the terror attacks, and not when everybody's just you know you know hungry for food. I mean, I I, I know, you know, and I mean, I, maybe you you can also have felt it in yourself. But when you're when people are stressed financially, you have no time to think about these things. Right. So basically, in simple terms, the the theory that Palestinian poverty is the cause of terror has been debunked. And it's so clearly not that if you go around the areas controlled by the Palestinian Authority, you see that there's actually a tremendous amount of wealth and 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 fancy cars and fancy homes. And th- this what's what what what's behind Nachman Shai's statement is a way to self to blame ourselves for some kind of subjugation or invented, you know, hurt and thereby cast the blame of a lack of goodwill or a lack of appeasement and a lack of opportunity instead of saying what it really is, which is, this is the magic word here, which is it's a jihad. It's an ideology uh, of anti-Israelism and, and world domination. And in fact, two of the big three attacks that Israel's faced in the last few in the last week have been by members of self self-proclaimed members of ISIS. 
And so ISIS is not about fighting poverty. It's a, it's a jihadist, ideologically jihadist movement. And so, so right now, Tzvi writes, as one of the comments he writes, are people, people still believing in this BS? Meaning to say, he's saying like, do people really believe that, it, that, it's, a, that, that it's a result of poverty? Nachman Shai, it's not that he even believes that. He just wants to blame, he, if coming from the Israeli left, he wants to blame uh, suppression of Arabs instead of realizing that actually we need to be suppressing the jihad even more. Right. This was this was like in this was like this whole conversation was kind of thinking, okay, what do we what do we do in the future? And I think and they was, you know, people I guess other ministers were saying we need to stop letting people in from I guess I don't know if it was Gaza or, or wherever, maybe or maybe Judea and Samaria to work in, you know, what we know is pre nineteen sixty seven Israel. So that's where this this you know came from. But it but it's uh um it's definitely people people still ascribe to this stuff. I mean the, I mean what people think, you know, for many years doesn't go away easily. It just doesn't. Right. And, but, but, and it also fits their narrative, which is, you see, if we could only be nicer, if we could also give more, then, then the other side will be appeased. It's really, it's really, if you think about it, it's just, a, it's just an intellectual step before appeasement. It's, it's there to set up appeasement. You see, you haven't given them enough. You haven't given them enough work opportunities. If you do that, things will be, will be better for them. The, 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 the actual wealth situation, the actual you know, food situation, the actual um, welfare of, of Arabs and living in, in, under the Palestinian Authority, that's not taken into account. It's just a kind of, it's a kind of, it's a kind of set where you're like, in your heart, you're like, I, I feel bad. It must be me. It's a little bit of a battered wife syndrome thing. And it's also, of course, the, the bigger element of it, the lion's share is, these are people who don't want to act with Jewish power. They don't want to act with 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 justified violence. They want to they want to stay away from that. They're not they're they're not their setting inside is not one that 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 could strike at, at bad bad dudes, and so therefore they they find fault in them. Yeah, and and I and I think it you know it's it's just also you know important to remember one of one of the other one of the other um, you know argue, um, ideas or arguments that come from you know that ha- that happens always after these type of attacks is people say, oh, it's, you know, it's 5%. Oh, it's only, you know, the, you know, the, the, the overwhelming majority, um, you know, want to live. Are not with it. You know, and, and, and the truth is, but that, that really, that really never, that really doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter for a few reasons. First of all, if we say, let's say we say there's about a million, a million and a half um, Arabs living in, in Judea and Samaria. So that means, that means if you have, if you have merely three percent, three percent are with us. That means you have forty-five thousand people, you know, ready to to commit terrorist attacks, and that's a that's a pretty serious amount of people to deal with, you know, on a daily basis. I'm I'm sure it's taxing for our, you know, for the GSS, our, you know, our FBI, and 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 so and so even if you have a very small percentage, it's still a, a major threat. And also, as we know in societies, you know, the people who control what happens. Are are that small minority that's vocal? They're the ones who have political right. power. They're the ones who run for office. So, so but that's also that, that, that's also a narrative these days that's out there, which is it's a it's a minority. Look, it's just not such a minority. I'm just I'm sorry. Like I I you know what I mean. I have a big heart for Arabs who want to live normally alongside Israel, but at the same time, like to deny the breadth and width of the jihadist ideology in Arab society, especially in, in Palestinian Arab society, is is really to close your eyes 
You could see it in the major rallies. You could see it in the channels that they put out. You could, you could see it. Now, I know many Arabs who detest the jihad, but they also admit to me that their society is, is rampantly um, infiltrated by these kind of ideas, um, including in, for example, Hebron. It's a Hamas city. I was just talking with an Arab. He said to me, yeah, there's tons of Hamas here. There's not a lot of ISIS, but there's Hamas. And that's one step away. And if you watch PATV, you're like, this is brainwashing 24-7. It's crazy stuff. Now, one of the things that, that, that we love on the show is to hear from people around the world. So please leave me a message right now if you're watching live on uh, one of the many platforms. And we have, a just to make a great segue, is uh, a, a comment from Igolnikov Rosa. Who writes, Russian clean Ukrainian land from Nazi and criminals for the glory of God, which is, which is, you know, one of the, it's the kind of Russian narrative, or at least the, the Putin or Kremlin narrative, which is there's Nazis, there's a denazification that's happening in, in Ukraine now. And that's what Russia is doing. It's cleaning Ukrainian land from Nazi and criminals and here for the glory of God. Very interesting, a very, a very nationalistic and, and religious language. Certainly that is not the dominant paradigm narrative that's out there. The dominant narrative is that Russia has entered into a, um, into a land conquest um, unilaterally, an attack on a sovereign state and, and on the land, the, the, the sovereign land of a different state, and have also committed atrocities, including places like Mariupol, and at the same time, um, not not even being a very effective army, while the Ukrainian resistance is being very effective, and that is the kind of narrative that's out there here in Israel. You know, we may choose one of those narratives, or we may not. I personally believe that Israel should stay as neutral as possible, except for humanitarian aid in this conflict. I don't think that when two bears are fighting, you have to get in between those bears. But at the same time, do you think get on? Do you agree with that? And do you think? that there are lessons, useful lessons to us from the Russia-Ukraine conflict that we could uh, use here? Well, I think there's, I think there are so many, so many lessons um, that uh, that we can learn. I mean, one, one of the things that, uh, you know, I was thinking about this morning, I've been thinking about, you know, the lessons, you know, for the, for the past few weeks, but one, one thing that just came to me this morning is that like, um, you know, when there's, when there's real conflict in the world, like a real war, like it, it sort of you know cuts down the the Palestinian you know Israeli you know conflict. It cuts it down to size, and you know because I was just thinking you know when when did this when did the whole peace process you know really really begin or or you know it was the nineties after the Cold War when the world was relatively silent and they have the ability to focus on you know these you know small conflicts in you know various areas of the world and and then. And then suddenly, you know, the Oslo Accords are signed. But when you have these, when you have these, you know, big wars, it really, it really cuts our conflict down to size. Okay, so one lesson you're saying is, is that the Middle East conflict, what, while making a lot of headlines, is really not the the number one conflict in the world. There's much bigger issues. The, the, and so, the, yeah, the Palestinian Israel, not not the broader Iran issue. Right. Okay. But, so, um, the, so the Israel, Israel, the Arab-Israeli conflict on the in this local level, on the so-called Palestine level, is is much smaller than 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 you know than, than fits the amount of coverage that it gets, and a war like this overshadows it. Of course, this this one of the jokes that's going around is that Putin also killed COVID, right? Because the minute the war started, COVID just died, right? He did. He said, "I I think I think one of the people that must be most angry is 
is Dr. Anthony Fauci because suddenly, you know, he's not the main star. Right. Right. That's right. He was, he was, he was replaced. That's right. And so, by the way, have you noticed that, 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 that there were like three great crises that, 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 that took up all of our mental time of our media time. It was Trump, the person, right. Then immediately it was to bring him down and to kind of replace him. It was COVID the disease. And now it's Russia, the war, Russia, Ukraine, the war. And, and I think to myself, like, gosh, it's either that the press is really lucky that there's always some kind of, you know, tr- very, very important media event happening, or boy, do they they create it a little bit in order to, you know, puff up their own their own sales. You, you know, you have to sell a newspaper. You got to get a podcast to listen to. So, all right, before we go on, I just want to say that Robert writes, watching and listening to you from Mexico, Ishai, I stand with Israel. Thank you so much, Roberto. Thank you so much. And it's great to hear from you. And it strengthens us. And we need people to stand with us right now in this tough time. All right, get on Israel. What else do you think so, is a lesson? So I think so I think for Israel, the less the lesson is, you know, another lesson is that we need to learn for ourselves is how how quickly people jumped to the Ukrainian side, you know, and, and supported them because they're the weak side. Now I'm without even expressing an opinion of, of who's right and who's not, but it was just like people had just finished you know, becoming COVID experts, and then they were supply chain experts, then they were economic inflation experts, and now they're suddenly, you know, like Ukraine experts. And it's scary, you know, especially for us, because right now we're considered the more powerful, you know, power and, you know, side in the, in the Middle East vis-a-vis the Palestinians. And it's scary how just like everybody seen, you know, Ukrainian flags on their Facebook, on Twitter, you know, taking pictures without even actually knowing the history, knowing anything. Right. So that's, so that's so what's, the, so what's the lesson there? What's the lesson? The, le- the lesson is that that we need to be prepared that if we are ever in, ever in a serious conflict, you know, with with our neighbors who may be perceived as more weak than we are, we need to know that that, you know, the, the public is going to jump, you know, the public, you know, worldwide opinion is going to jump to their side, at least the vocal worldwide opinion, which which segues into another lesson is that we better be ready to finish the war very quickly because right. because. You know, in the in the you know, with social media and with pictures, you know, you know, it's like the battlefield is being broadcast live to us. You have these you have these like telegram channels in Ukraine where you think you know you see people shooting RPGs, you see the battlefield. So so we need to be ready to finish wars very quickly because public opinion will I think will turn on us quickly. Right. But on the other hand, interestingly enough, I was thinking about this. Look at the Russia war. There's another side to it, which is okay. You guys think it's a quick war. I'm going to draw it out and I'm going to keep fighting. And I'm not like so afraid of, of what you say. One could say that his, you know, Putin's operation continues and, and has not been stopped, even though there's been a lot of pressure. But in any case, I certainly agree with you that that things, things are being watched. I guess I guess um, I guess it was very scary for me to realize that this global financial boycott that went on to Russia is now a oiled tool ready to strike against Israel when they don't like what we're doing. Exactly. Exactly. And and not only that, but how fast it all happened. It all happened so quickly. It happened within like within like two weeks. And it wasn't only it wasn't only, you know, countries sanctioning, it was also the, the private sector and but but Russia's continuing because they I think they've prepared for this situation for many, many years. Right. Um and therefore they're not so reliant on foreign currencies and so, but you know, we're we're a much smaller country. We're not, you know, we're not 
as powerful as Russia. We don't have, um, you know, all the resources or whatever that they have. So I think that that's why it's that's why it's important for us that if we're going to be in a conflict, you know, that the sanctions are going to start hitting after a week or two weeks. We need to be, you know, we need to be after, you know. Right. So, so one, I think, I think a lesson there is to definitely have more reserves and more, more independence in terms of everything from the missiles that you have to the water that you make to uh, food that you have. And, and there's, you know, in the, let's, let's call it in the, in the dark sphere of the internet, in the, in the conspiracy sphere, there's a lot of concerns about food shortages. And I have no idea if that's true or not, but I could say that, um, that there's, there's this, um, one of the lessons, I guess, for Israel is be ready to be more independent if, if indeed independent, more, more self-reliant, I think, in case you need to, to act some way. Another, another thing is also one of, one of the other ways of saying self-reliance is to diversify your reliance. I spoke with Mordechai Kedar, Professor Kedar, who told me one of the big problems in Israel is that we're too reliant on U.S. arms and that we should be buying arms from China and from, and from Russia to be able to say, look, if you, you know what I mean, you make jets, fine, but we also know how to fly Russian jets or, or our own jets if we would make them. But certainly we have a way to, or Chinese jets, we, we, we are diversified and therefore non-reliant on your particular opinion at any particular time. Um, I, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea, but I think it's, it's a bit, um, it's, it's more easily said than done. I mean, obviously we, we are diversified in the sense that our tanks, and for this is when I spoke to experts, our tanks we 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 produce manufacture them at a loss because we never want, we never want to be dependent on other countries for you know replacement parts you know or in times of war we've felt that on our skin in, in previous wars. So tanks Israel makes even at at a loss, but right. the but I mean it, you know once but jets we anymore and that's famously because. The Americans kind of shut down that program. So the right, I actually um, when I when I uh, had a talk, um, well, maybe ten fifteen years ago with Moshe Aaron's, um, you know, blessed memory, who was the defense minister at the time that the program was canceled, was that you know he he actually said that it was he told me that it was the Israeli generals who had went to lobby American officials to close down the program. So it was actually mm. sort of pressure coming from us to them, which came back to us. But um, from what I've, you know, talked to people, you know, generals in the Air Force, you know, that America makes the best planes. There's this, you know, there's no one that even comes close. So, and and I think in, in any weapon system we have, you know, we're, de- we're dependent on those people for the the spare parts. So it doesn't matter from who, who you, who you buy from. Um, I, I think it, I think it just means that we need to be you know, with what we have, whether it's whether it's food or whether it's weapons, we need to we need to have weapons for more than a you know a five day war. We need we need to make sure that that at least we can go you know two three weeks fighting you know and not need spare parts or or we need to make sure that we have the resources you know we need so we're, we're not you know begging countries after two weeks you know for more shipments if they decide. I think it's right. I think also I think also with what we saw you know in America. With various, um, you know, internet, um, you know, Apple and 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 whoever, you know, deplatforming various, you know, websites. I, I I hope I hope that our you know our you know cloud apparatus is not dependent on the goodwill of the big tech companies in America who may just be you know you know ready to shut it off after a few days of war and right. and some bad pictures from Gaza. Mm. 
Mm, mm. That's a, that's 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 a very good point because, like, for example, when the big tech folks didn't like a whole other platform that was sitting on on the Amazon cloud, they just declouded them. They 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 they, you know, there was more than just a platform. They 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 just got rid of the whole infrastructure underneath the platform. And you're absolutely right. A lot of stuff depends on that stuff. A lot of a lot of services depend on that, and it's an interconnected world for good. There's also a bad element to that, and that's that's something to be very careful about. Okay, any other lessons from the Ukraine war for us? Yeah, and, and they and this yeah, there's a few, and, and they all you know co- coalesce around the, the 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 topic of you know the ideas you know of a, of can there be a two state solution? And I think I think did you notice how you know the Russian army advanced more than the width of pre nineteen sixty seven Israel in just a few hours. I right. mean, so so like territory matters. Territory matters. You need you need territorial depth. And when you go to the eastern part of the Shomron, you know, overlooking the Jordan Valley, you realize that, you know, you that when you control the highlands, you can you can stop an invasion. I mean, and it's like you know, in in this era of oh missiles go over mountains and oh you know you know we can have you know geeks you know on on you know disabling missile systems. No, we see from this we see from this war high ground matters, territory matters, tanks matter, foot mm-hmm. soldiers matter. I actually someone sent me something. They said you know because people are saying oh we you know we see that the Russian army is not as strong as we thought it was. And there was someone who sent me something where the gist was that basically the Russian army or Russia had actually spent all their money on these, you know, whether it be nuclear weapons and these, you know, hypersonic missiles. But in terms of their tanks, they don't even have GPS or, you know, they don't have the proper training. They don't have the proper supply chain. So, you know, what, what we what we see is that all the all these things matters, like, the you know, people, you know, who want to think that all this history of wars is behind us. It's not. These things still matter in our, you know, 21st century. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good point. It's a very good point. Roberto writes, interesting thing, he writes, there's been a civil war in Ukraine since 2014 that the West and the MSM are not talking about because it was provoked by the USA and NATO. Their narrative is to put all the blame on Putin. And that is, you know, that that is definitely the counter narrative that that America, the U.S. provoked Russia into this war, told Ukraine that uh, that they're going to be NATO members and EU members and, and kind of like offered them this thing. And then and then in the midst of the war said, oh, yeah, we, we you know, we didn't mean that. And basically it's like, oh, so what was the whole threat against the Putin um, Putin's Russia? That, that Ukraine would become part of NATO, like that was really an, a paper tiger, but like, or a red herring, and really was a trap to get you into this, into this morass and to crush. But you know what, what's more interesting to me, even more than, more than that, is the economics of it all. There's so much economics behind the, the, this, this Russia war. There's so, much economic, there's so much economic battling out there today for resources, for right. technology, to be able to, Financial technology, financial tech, like the SWIFT thing, um, gas and oil lines going to Europe. No, now they're going to go to China. Where's this stuff going to go? There's like there's also a lot of economics. Do you think there's any like economic? We talked a little bit about in being independent. Is there any other economic lessons you think that like what, I remember at the beginning of the war they said Germany's not going to cut Russia out because because uh, because Germany needs Russian gas and oil, but somehow they changed tax on that. So. What, what do you think the economic lessons for Israel from the from the Russia-Ukraine war is? 
Well, I mean, certainly with with all our, you know, with what we're doing with natural gas in the Met, in the Mediterranean, we need to, you know, keep drilling and keep exploring um, because, you know, we, we we just can't imagine that that you know the world that we lived in without you know so many wars will just you know, will just continue. I mean, from from the time of Adam and Eve, there have been wars. I mean, some people say, well, um, you know, why, you know, why do wars happen? That should never be the question. The question should be, why do actually people live in peace? Because our history is only filled with wars. You should say, what it, what it, what were those conditions that allowed for two countries to live in peace? Mm-hmm. But um, I think that um, I think that you know, cer- certainly in terms of certainly in terms of energy independence. Um, and I think also I think also being a provider and not just a uh, not just a client is a very important thing. What about what about the issue of like nationalism? One of the things that uh, I'm way, I just want to go ahead. One more thing. I think that's one thing that um, that, you know, former prime minister Netanyahu understood is he he, he sort of understood how to you how to leverage Israel's strengths, whether it be various, you know, um, you know, tech platforms where he could go to various nations and say, Listen, we'll give you this platform if you do this for us. You know, we'll, right. and and I think and I think you know obviously we're not going to be you know a hundred percent strong in all areas. I think it's I think it's important that we have leadership that really knows how to how to leverage how to leverage those things. Um, so so that that that's really most important. That's very important thing. What about what about nationalism as an atmosphere? Like one of the things that I've liked about this war, quote unquote, liked about this war is that there's more of a sense of, okay, wave the flag, protect your borders. This is ours and not yours. And I won't let you take it over. And, you know, everybody wants to use that to their advantage. The, the Palestinians I've in you know, driving on the road, I see Ukrainian flags in some Palestinian area. I would like to say, no, in, in that sense, we should be like, not, not, not that we should be pro Ukraine or pro Russia, but we should just be like, good. Nationalism is a good thing. Defend your land, defend your home. And know that it's yours and know that somebody else is trying to take it over and he could be doing it in sneaky ways or non-sneaky way. But but a sense of healthy nationalism and 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 a sense of defense and self-defense, which is linked to nationalism, is a is an atmospheric. Now, maybe partially that's also causing some of the terrorism that we see rise up now because of the kind of general sense of nationalism. The other side gets it as well. But can we use that to our advantage, do you think? Um, I think I think we can. I, I think we can. And, you know, in terms of the way just the way we we, you know, educate our, our, our children and the way and the way we, we just talk, you know, the way we talk, you know, amongst amongst ourselves that um, that, you know, when 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 you when you believe when you believe in where you are living, when you believe in the history of your nation, um, when you when you believe, you know, um, you know. Get on if I can if I can cut you off for just a second. Just as we're talking, I got this message on our feed from Muhammad Shalabi, and he writes, "Free Palestine." Two words, "Free Palestine." What he really means is he he, he could say "Free Palestine" because that's a nice liberal world word. What he means is get rid of Israel, destroy Israel, right? Get rid of Israel altogether. Right. And he adds, he adds also, he adds another thing. He says, may the Mahdi come soon, inshallah, and free Palestine, which means may the, may the Mashiach, may the Messiah come soon, the Muslim Messiah, which is actually a Shiite type of Messiah, come soon with the help of God and, and free Palestine. Okay, so you see, you see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's, a, that's an atmosphere of nationalism. 
It means like, you know, and he and he adds <laughs> and he has, yes, destroy Israel. And I respect that. OK, good. You know, there, there it is. I, I put it up on the screen. It's 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 from my Facebook, from my my YouTube channel uh, that's going live right now. You know, I respect that. You know, you're saying destroy Israel. I'm here to fight you. One of the things that I wrote on Twitter today and I saw that it got a little traction. I said one of the good things about this latest wave of terror is that the Amalekites, when the Amalekites come out to kill Jews, just like in Mikilat Esther, it's good because then you, you you spot them, you see them, they, they come out, they come out of their hiding, they come out of their little dark places where they're working in your hospital and they're working in your hotel and they're working all kinds of places and they're, they have a nice face on. No, here they, they put on their real face, they show their real face and they come out and, and, and you know they, they show their, their jihad. So I'm, I'm happy when a person like Muhammad says, yes, destroy Israel, because I, I prefer that than, than, the, than the fraudulent cover-up face. And, and I say, you know, let's, let's have an open uh, conflict, you know, better that way than uh, than a situation in which they are preparing their arms and training and training and training um and he says and he says and he says interesting muhammad adds he says i like the real jews not the zionists but i promise we will expel you from the lands and and i say to you muhammad thank you for your you know your your warlike commentary i i respect it and i say to you that we will evict jihadists like yourself from our lands and that's and 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 you know may allah decide uh, who wins? Let, 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 let's fight it out and let Allah, you know, d- decide it all the way. And meaning to say, okay, that's what I was saying to you. There's an atmosphere of nationalism and, and it's coming out right now. Now, somebody might say, let's, let's not have nationalism and just all get along. I can, I can understand that, that theory in this time. Um, but you can't do that when somebody's trying to, to take your land from, from within. And that is... The, we have, we have a conflict. We have a war. We could, we could believe that there is no war, but maybe it's better to actually deal with the situation instead of, instead of, instead of sublimate it. What do you think? Well, I think, well, I mean, I, I know that thing you mentioned that sort of argument, well, you know, when you have nationalism that, that leads to wars, but I, I think the, I think the healthy nationalism that, that you and I, I think both believe in is, is that nationalism where, where people are part of, you're part of a citizenry, you're part of a, People who live in a certain territory with a history together, and right. and you have a government that that puts that puts the people in their territory first, and 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 you know it, you know ensures that there's defense, ensures that there's all that the citizenry needs, and I, I think I think that's a I think that's a health, healthy nationalism. That, and and that- it's and, and and let me add to that healthy nationalism is that is that. And it's very important for me to say this right now because I I may have come out sounding kind of like you know uh, you know will it willing to go into conflict, yeah, willing to go into conflict with bad guys, but also willing to cooperate with good guys. Nationalism on an Israeli level means that we would be a strong Jewish state, and we respect the nationalism of our of our Arab cousins and their strong states around us, and we should be cooperating for a better region and and including allowing the people who who respect and love Israel. Be, may they be Druze or Christian Arabs or Muslim Arabs or anybody else who wants to live here in respect of the law and respect of the Jewish state. That, that's, that's, that's a wonderful you know, cooperation that could happen. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm the number one believer in the Abraham Accords because it's not a racist thing. It's, a, it's, and it's, it's understanding that somebody's trying to, a tribe is trying to take away your land. You stop. But on the broader regional, on the broader region, we, ha- we have opportunity for cooperation. And Muslim Arabs in in Hebron, tell me all the time. They're like, you guys are not taking care of business. You allow people like Muhammad Shalabi, who's a, who's hateful, who's anti-Jewish. He says here, he writes, the Jewish state will fall. You guys allow them to run amok instead of instead of crushing them. And those very same people are the ones that destroy 
Muslim society and Arab society from within because you're not willing to take care of business. Yeah, um, I mean that, that's that, that's unfortunately you know something in Israel we haven't we haven't won wars in in many years. We we've gone in the past fifteen years we've had I think three or four operations in Gaza. I mean this is a twenty by four mile area. It's something that we should you know have you know been been able to to you know take care of easily. But unfortunately, we've we've been in there sometimes thirty days, fifty days, and we just and you know without without a clear victory, and um, and you know part part of that part of that inability to actually defeat um, and, and you know crush the problem is that we don't we don't believe enough in what in what we're doing or the people or the people and the leadership or the people who are you know commanding our troops you know don't don't believe. Don't believe enough in in our um, you know in our what we call in Israel tzitkata derech our righteous you know cause and and therefore and therefore you know um, IDF soldiers are put secondary to you know to to Palestinian civilians and, and so forth. So, but going back to your point, I think I think the nationalism. I think that we live in a the region we live in is so dangerous that it's so important that we that we always be um, you know, educating our children and educating ourselves in in our in the fact that yes, we do belong here. This is you know, this is land is part of our history. You know, the Bible and everything that goes with it, because because you need you need that you need that healthy you know understanding, healthy belief if you're going to survive here. I mean, I think I mean what what Zelensky said. You know, he could have he could have left you know the country. You know, like the Afghani president, he could have you know so many other leaders. Who flee with their money? I mean, the, I mean, it's, it's admirable the fact that he said, "I'm staying here," and even in the in the face of one of the most strong strongest armies in the world, he said, "I'm staying here." You know, you know, no matter what, you know, you know, and and I think I think we can learn from that. But but that only comes that ability to say such a thing in you know in in time in 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 a time of war comes from your a person's healthy understanding. Of their, you know, belonging to a certain nation and belonging to a certain area. Well, I just want to say that Muhammad Shalabi <laughs> has just written the most perfect phrase in order to finish up uh, this part of the program to and to, to dovetail with what you were just saying. He says the Ummah will come back stronger, inshallah. Let me translate that: the nation will come back stronger with the help of God. And he didn't say which nation, and I agree with you, Muhammad. The nation of Israel will come back stronger, inshallah, with the help of God. And and may all may may the good side of the Arab nation also, and the Arab the Muslim nation also rise up. Not this uh, jihadist conquest death cult thing that's going on from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, but rather you know a cooperative, honorable, guest accepting, noble Arab you know regional trait that should come back, and so that we could also have you know with our. The, that Arab nobility with, with the Jewish tribe that's here in, in our ancestral homeland, God-given ancestral homeland, sons of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah. And that, that's a future for, for, for nationalism. And indeed, the Ummah will come back stronger, inshallah. Um, you know, in Israel, we, are, we have gone uh, quite a bit of time, 40 minutes. So I really want to thank you. Um, there are many important lessons here. And please write me an email, yishaiyishaifleischer.com, if you have any questions for Gidon. Check out his book, which is on Amazon called right. Broken Values, How the Democratic Party Platform Betrays Its Followers and America. And this is written by a very smart Jew from the land of Israel. Who's, and, there's who's, a, and there's a special, there's a special paragraph on, special a chapter on Israel. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really about what, 
It's really about how the left has taken over the, the Democratic Party in the in the last 30 years. So it's, you know, if you want to understand the left, it's a it's a great book. Which is which is which is really a which is really a broader question about how the left is and left thinking is infiltrating normative society. I think that that's Absolutely. the the bigger bigger question. What happens there? What happens in America eventually gets to Israel a few years later and many other places in the world. Get on Israel. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, may we uh, see Hashem Ozlam Oiten. May God give strength to his people. Hashem Shalom. May God give his people peace. Thank you very much Amen. for being with Amen. us. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. And more great stuff is on the way. We'll do a little, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we'll do a little table Torah. Let's talk about uh, some um, important strength for how we move forward with, with this week's Torah portion for. All the folks around the world, Jews and non-Jews, who want to hear what the Torah portion is and what it's about that's coming up right now. And just one last phrase from, from Muhammad, who says, I promise Palestine will be for Muslims only. <laughs> Listen, you know, let's not, let's not waste too much time talking. Let's, uh, let, I, I, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It seems to me that Allah is bringing the Jewish people back. It's in the Quran. We, we are back in our land. We have defeated you in miraculous wars over and over again. Because Allah is with us, and your big talk is is nothing. Because in the end, what are you doing? You're killing a few people against against the Islamic values, and so what? And and so what? And you're so you're a murderer, and and what has that given you? Has Israel gone away? No, we're even bigger and stronger. So inshallah, with the help of God, we will continue to be big and strong. More great stuff is on the way. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. Write me an email, yishayishayflasher.com, and God bless you, and shalom. You are listening to the Israel Podcast with Ishai Fleischer, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you are a part of it wherever you are. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea. Thank you so much for being with me, and thank you so much to Ben Bresky, Tabitha, Moshe Herman, Yocheved, and Lou for being helpful with the show and getting it out to the world. Thank you so much. Thank you to all our great sponsors, including Prohibition Pickle, making delicious Shabbos and other great foods, Ashkenazi Revival. Uh, I like it with harif, with spicy stuff, because I have the this kind of like Moroccan side of me. And so I, I eat my, my Ashkenazi food with some Sephardi flavor as well. And it is such a blessing to eat good food and bless God for the good food in the land of Israel. That's Prohibition Pickle. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on, and that's my man Chaim doing a great job out there and making making us all satisfied and, and delectified and thanking God for it all. Also, the Jewish community of Hebron, keeping the Jewish forefathers and mothers, the forefathers and mothers of the Bible, the patriarchs and matriarchs, keeping them strong and visited and safe, uh, even in this period. The Jewish community of Hebron is, is brave, and they do it all for all of us to keep us connected to the founders of the first family of the... And thank you to JNS.org for putting out great news, and so too to JewishPress.com for putting out uh, the Yishai Fleischer show every single week. So JewishPress.com, JNS.org, great partners in getting out the, the story of Israel. Um, and also the Israel Bible. The Israel Bible is a fabulous... Um, Printing of the Bible in English with Hebrew and English, beautiful words, beautiful pages, beautiful fonts, and with commentary uh, about specifically the land of Israel, edited by my good friend Rabbi Tully Weiss, and a great job. Everybody needs the Israel Bible in their house. Go to theisraelbible.com and hit coupon code Yishai. Boom, you got ten percent off God's good word. Um, what a little bit of table Torah. First thing is is that we have the Torah portion of Tazria 
which is all about the um, which is all about the ritual impurity that comes with giving birth and with um, a skin lesion maladies that are basically uh, spiritual maladies that express themselves uh, as something called sarat, which is where the word psoriasis comes from. Um, and what God teaches us is that first thing, there's two things that we should learn about that. Now here's simple table Torah. Number one, when you get a smack from God, when you get a lesion from God, when you get, when you, I, I had a fall this week, I, I literally just fell somewhere and I still feel the pains of it on my elbow and on my knee and on my side. The first thing I thought to myself, thank you, God, for signaling to me that you're displeased with me or that I need some kind of expiation. Because when you're in my life and I see you even in the falls and I see that you're correcting me, directing me, and so too with uh, spiritual psoriasis. Spiritual psoriasis is a way of God saying, I'm not happy with you, but I'm with you. And when a person gets uh, a feeling like God has given him a smack, that's also a way of God saying, I'm here with you, I'm in your life. So that's the first thing, is to be thankful for the lesions that we have in our lives, for, for, for the imperfection that we are and for the corrections and for God's talking with us in any way. That's, that's issue number one. And issue number two is that birth is uh, the giving of life, and there's a certain amount of death energy that comes with the very fact that you're born. With the very fact that you're born, that means that there's also going to be death. And with the very uh, opportunity of the potential is also the missed opportunities. And that's, that's a lesson as well. That's a lesson as well. And it's, and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's part of life. Part of life is, is in the birth, there's blood that comes out, and, 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 it, it's, and it even seems a little bit scary, and yet the miracle of life happens through it. We're also going to be, and this is for uh, Jews and for non-Jews, what I call the International Torah Congregation. I want everybody to know that this, is, uh, this Shabbat is going to be Nisan, the first of Nisan, the first month of the Jewish calendar, according to the Bible. It coincides with the uh, usually with March, April, and the Torah calls it Chodesh Aviv, the month of spring, as it marks the uh, beginning of the spring months. On the first day of Nisan, in the year two four four eight from creation, in the secular way we could call it thirteen thirteen BCE, two weeks before the Exodus, God showed Moses the crescent new moon, instructing him regarding the setting of the Jewish calendar and the mitzvah of sanctifying the new month. This month shall be for you the head of the months, the first of the months of the year. That's Exodus uh, 12.2. Uh, this ushered in the first Jewish month and, and commenced the lunar calendar that the Jews have been following ever since. Lunar calendar tempered by the solar intercalations of months. We add months because of the solar calendar because it always has to meet. This month also always has to be in the spring. It was the first mitzvah commandment, commanded, commandment given to the newly born nation of Israel, even before the exodus from Egypt. So this is a holy month, the beginning of this this other powerful month in the year. We have the you know, the high holidays months, and now we that's that's Tishrei, and now we have Nisan, which is the holiday of Passover. It's also the holiday of starting to clean your house and prepare for the great great and and and, and powerful holiday of Pesach, of Passover. So the other thing we do is we start getting ready for Passover by cleaning our houses, but also by talking about uh, Passover and getting ready for it and studying the, the Haggadah of Pesach, the, the story that we tell on the first night of Passover. Um, we need right now a great exodus from, from, from our exile. We are not within ourselves. We've got to come back to ourselves inside our hearts, inside of our, inside of our consciousness. 
Thank you, Hashem, for the opportunity to broadcast to the world. And I want to hear from you. Yishai at yishaifleischer.com would be very kind of you to write an email. And lots of blessings to you wherever you are. It's not an easy world out there, but let's have confidence in God. Let's have strength. Um, and let's also be courageous to do His will. Okay, may God give us the courage to do His will in the face of 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 other people's laughter at us, in the face of 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 terror and fear, uh, in the face of laziness. Those are all things that we that we fight every single day. And I just want to bless all of you out there and really wish you. And I know that you guys you guys are praying for Israel. And I want you when you say I pray for Israel, I want you to really pray for Israel and to pray that Israel is in your heart. That's it, folks. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Thank you for every moment of your attention and your love. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your connection. Thank you, God, for the opportunity. And if you want to connect even more by supporting the show, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai, or go to the support page on yishaifleischer.com and uh, support our projects and our efforts and, of course, our broadcasting. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned, stay strong, and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And Shalom. Enhance your faith. Deepen your understanding. Align your destiny with the land of Israel. Subscribe to the Land of Israel Fellowship, an exclusive virtual seminar led by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz with live weekly interactive sessions and ongoing personal mentorship. Subscribe and join this global awakening at thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship, bringing the Torah from Judea to the world.